Hey, it's party time. Mom, welcome to another episode of the Chad Prather Show. We're in the Mothership, which is Studio 22. Oh, you know what's going on. Uh, the Puppet Master Mark, he is flying us into the nether regions. Today, we're going to head into history and education. You guys know I've been waxing uh, passionately and eloquently. I'll, I'll give myself that compliment uh, about both topics here recently. And today is going to be a great uh, eye-opening treat for you. You know, I'm one of those guys, I like to give people problems they don't know they have. That is my gift in life, is to point out the things that you didn't even know were wrong. Candice is the queen of the Ethiopians, looking reeking sleagal over there. Matrimonial. Are you excited? Yeah? Does it make you uncomfortable for me to even talk about this? Why would that be uncomfortable? I don't know. I, I don't understand women. I'm 48 years old. I've never figured you guys out. Well, I can't And I say have... that in the most misogynistic way, calling you a guy. What? I don't have any answers for you in that realm, but no, it doesn't make it <laughs> awkward. Yeah. yeah. I, well, you, I'm good at that, too. That's true. I'm proud of you guys. I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm excited. Thank you. I'm excited. 70 long years of marriage. You think you can handle that, Mark? You, you can't. You can't say otherwise. You're not allowed to. I'm excited for you guys. It all started on the set of the Chad Prather Show. I'm not saying that God wouldn't have brought you together, but I'm just saying I might have had a hand in the divine uh, guidance and providence there. I, I don't know. Anyway, I love you guys. Uh, Party Foul Steve is, golly, that's a good-looking shirt you're wearing, man. It is. You like it, that? I do like that. It, it's representing uh, uh, seven years ago yesterday. I posted on Facebook. I said, hashtag 22, uh, phenomenal things are coming, hashtag 22. I have no idea in 2014 what in the world I was talking about, Jennings. But it could have been prophetic. We don't know. We'll see. You, you have well, a hand in God's work no matter what, huh? It, dude, I am just basically, I'm just a puppet for the Lord at this point. <laughs> just guide me along. Where's he I, put his hand? <laughs> I just, I'm just saying, man. I, I'm, just, I'm just a vessel. I'm a, I'm a broken clay pot is what I am. Uh, I'm excited today. I am. Our good friend David Barton is here on the show. David, thanks for coming. Hey, Chad. Uh, good to be with you. founder man. of Wall Builders. Wallbuilders.com is the website. His new book is out. Uh, this thing right here, I can't wait to dig into it. The American Story. The beginnings. We're going to talk about the book. We're going to talk about some things about history that are going to scare you, frighten you. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some aspects of education that are going on. Um, David, thanks for being on the show. I, I am one of those guys that, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I'm, I'm nervously anxious about American culture right mm -hmm. now. And when it comes to the fact that we don't know how to think with complexity anymore. Mm -hmm. We don't know how to think critically anymore. And we're completely ignorant of history. You think my fears are well-founded? Oh, this? yeah, absolutely. However, at the same time, there is a counterinsurgency going on now that we haven't seen before. Mm. Um, we, we, we have a network of about 1,000 state legislators, and I have never seen states doing what they're doing right now. Just give me an example. I happen to be a pro-life guy. I, I, I believe life begins sure. at least before conception or at conception before. And we've had so far this year in our legislatures 546 pro-life bills introduced, 46 states, about 142 have passed so far. We've never had a year like that, ever, right. ever, ever, ever. 
what in the heck's going on? And yeah. then we look at all the stuff where we're having so much legislative pushback to regain what I call legislative supremacy. Don't let the governors run the states. Let the legislature <laughs> exactly. run the states. And so we're seeing that kind of stuff. We're just seeing stuff roll that we haven't seen before. And so uh, we we have a radio daily radio program, and on Fridays we do nothing but good news. We just mm. cover good news stories that people aren't hearing. We would, just we would go under so fast doing yeah, that. Dude. It's, we, we could never do that. It, <laughs> <laughs> go up Fridays. Folks look forward to, but I will tell you the stack of good news that we have now is four times larger than at any time in the Trump administration. Great. And I never expected it. I thought with Biden in there, it's going to take. We've seen the states and the community step up in ways I haven't seen them in my lifetime. So while the feds are really, you know, as we know, screwing up all sorts of stuff, what I've seen is the states and communities stepping up and doing things that I just have not seen. So I'm encouraged. One of the things that I have seen, and, and I've kind of coined this phrase in my head is people are tired of being ruled they want to be represented that's right and we got to get back to that you know this heartbeat bill people kept in texas people kept coming to me saying what do you think about this and they were trying to do an aha mm-hmm. gotcha moment and i said you you guys know i'm pro-life like from conception i am pro-life yeah. i am anti-abortion yeah I, I think it's the greatest evil that's ever befallen the human race uh i said so you're barking up the wrong tree in that so let me just go ahead and tell you if it saves a baby's life, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have seen, as you say, a counterinsurgency that's there. We're going to talk about some of those things uh, as we get deep into it. I got so many questions for you today. And you got your bionic arm. It's not quite, but they rebuilt you a little bit. It's about to be bionic. Lord willing, it's going to turn out that way. <laughs> so got a little hitch in your giddy up, but it's coming around. Hey, you guys have a million reasons to be stressed out. That's why you got to watch. You got to listen to David on Fridays for the good news. Uh, but you got a lot of reasons to be stressed out. Not the least of which is your male pattern, baldness, and receding hairline. It doesn't have to be one of those things you worry about, guys. Uh, The good news, Keeps can help you. Keeps offers the same doctor-recommended FDA-approved hair loss treatment, but they're the generic versions, so you only pay about half the cost. It's a great deal. And one more thing you're going to love about Keeps, you can do everything you need to do online. Answer a few questions. You snap a couple of pictures of your hair right from the top of your head. And a licensed doctor is going to review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. Then it's shipped to your door. So why make trips to the doctor and drugstore when you can do it all online from your couch? Come on, lazy guys. Do it. Let's get started with a special discount. Go to keeps.com slash loss for 50% off your first order of hair loss treatments. That's Keeps dot com slash loss come on guys keeps.com slash loss we'll be right back see i when i talk to david you do the radio show you talk about the good news on friday See, I'm from the I'm from the Glenn Beck school of thought. We got to tell people the world is ending. You got to cry a little bit, then read them some poetry. Glenn says them. that. That's why we make such a good team. He covers the the good. I cover the good. He covers the bad and the ugly. And exactly. So we make a great team that way. Exactly. Glenn told me a couple of years ago. He said, "You got to cry. You got to scream at them a little bit. You got you got to make them feel like it's it's coming to an end." You know. And uh, I then people kept telling me, "Why are you yelling?" <laughs> well, Beck told me to. Uh, I've been out to your museum. You guys, talking about Beck, uh, you guys are quite the collectors. Mm -hmm. How do you find all of this stuff you find? I mean, like, I came out there, and you've got the the reason the Marines are called Leatherneck. Steve's a Marine. Mm -hmm. 
you, you've got the leather neck. That's right. And why were those created? They were created because the longest war we had in American history was fighting Muslim terrorists from 1784 until 1816. So essentially 32 years of war, went through four presidents. The single largest budget item for Washington and for Adams and Jefferson and Madison was payments to the Muslim terrorists to keep them from attacking us because we didn't have a Navy at the time. Mm -hmm. So Washington finally, after seven years, says, I've had it. Give me a Navy. I'll go crush these guys. We built the Navy under John Adams. Jefferson gets it. He uses the Navy to go crush the guys mm -hmm. all, all around North Africa and Mediterranean. And so as our guys were there fighting, they found out, Muslims really like to behead people. They like <laughs> heads they, off. They, they cutting heads off. And so they created three-inch leather necks that they wore through through battles and fighting the Muslims. And it was it was like it was like the conflict in the first and second insurgency in Iraq. I mean, it was it was it was hand-to-hand -hand kind of stuff. It was house to house. It was really close quarter combat. Yeah. And so we actually have both guns and swords from back in that conflict, but the Marines learned you better get some leather around your neck. So that's where the leather necks came from. Did they teach you that, Steve? Yeah. Uh, Marine Corps is real big on history yeah. as far as probably more so than any other service in the initial boot camp kind of deal. So you learn all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Now I forgot most of it. That's been 35 years ago, <laughs> but you know. Aren't you glad you didn't have to fight the Barbary pirates? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. That's, Glad that's, I got by that one. <laughs> you went to Operation Desert Cleanup. Yeah. That's a yeah, far better there. way to deal with, uh, with that part of the world. Uh, but let's talk about the book for a minute. First of all, what's going on at Wall Builders? How are you guys doing over there? Oh, man, we're, we're slammed. I haven't been this busy in 15 years. Really? Uh, what's going on? Uh, again, cities are really kind of rising up and doing some interesting. You know, we've talked about South Lake Carroll made national news here sure. in Texas. Um, just people took rose up and took over the schools, and we're seeing that across the country. So we're seeing more local stuff than we've seen in forever. I'm seeing more church folks get engaged than I've seen. Um, just in D.C., working with a bunch of pastors there from a couple dozen states. There's 46 battleground congressional districts in the next election already identified. So need five to flip the house, but we've got 46 we're working in. And of all things, it's faith leaders taking taking the lead in that. And I haven't seen these guys get involved in politics ever. I love to see ever. that. Yeah, me too. I love to see me that. Me too. So uh, we're seeing lots of good stuff. And I'm going to refer back stuff. to that in, momentarily when we get into another topic. But the, the new book is The American Story, The Beginning. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming by, by the subtitle being The Beginning, you have some more of these in store uh, in terms of more volumes coming along yeah. the same topic. It will be a sequence of covering American history in a way that we used to cover history that we don't anymore. A lot of things changed in education, mm -hmm. but it's going back to storytelling. Um, we've gotten in history where that when we teach history now, it's dates, names, and places. And it used to be people, events, and stories. And that's the way we taught. I mean, if you wanted to learn the American Revolution, you read a biography about George Washington. You read a biography about Abigail Adams. You read a biography about Wentworth Cheswell, whoever. And we don't do that anymore. We right. just have the dates, and names, and places now. And we used to know the people. And they were, right. they're pretty, pretty cool stories. They are great stories. And, and a lot of times I, I'm always fascinated because we tend to separate the humanity mm -hmm. Of you know, you take George Washington for instance. Here's a guy who's a land surveyor. He's in the he's in the military. Becomes a general. He becomes a president, and then he retires back to Mount Vernon to make whiskey. Mm -hmm. That's a human element that a lot of people mm -hmm. don't even realize uh, the the humanity behind a lot of these folks, and the ability to tell his story through a story. Yeah, is is a critical thing that I think we've lost. Yeah, because it's become dates and facts and timelines. 
And that's one of the things we, we talk about the Middle East. That's one, that's one of the beautiful things the Jews did in their writings is they thought cyclically, not in yeah, terms of a timeline. Right. It was about the event, about the times and, and the people that were involved in that. So I, I appreciate this, that you and your son, Tim Barton, uh, I'm anxious to dig into this. Yeah, I think um, you'll enjoy it. It's done really well. It's, it's selling super good. But it is – there's just so many cool – let me just throw out an example. Sure. Take the American Revolution. If we knew our history today, we wouldn't have the racial tensions we do because if I start going through – let's call him the first genuine SEAL team member, a guy named Jack Sisson. Mm-hmm. He's a black patriot. What he did in 1778 is a Hollywood movie waiting to happen. The fact that you got George Washington and Lafayette both say, hey, the reason the revolution came to an end was because of the intelligence work of a black spy named James Armistead. We'd never heard of him. Never heard of Prince Estabrook. We'd never heard of Peter Salem. We'd never heard of Salem Poor. I just go through all these guys. And it turns out in the American Revolution that what you have was the – is a volunteer army, and mm-hmm. the term of enlistment was, was six months. The average black guy served nine terms of enlistment. Four, mm. He served nine times longer than white guys did, and every battle in the Revolution was an integrated battle with integrated units, and 11 of the 13 states, blacks were able to vote in those states at the time of the Revolution, and we've got black guys elected office, Matthias D'Souza in 1641, Wentworth Cheswell 1768, um, New Hampshire, we got Thomas Hercules in Pennsylvania 1790. We got so much we've never heard in school. Yeah. And what we're hearing is this white oppression. It's always been white guy. Washington had 76 generals. Right. 28 of his generals were from foreign nations. We were in <coughs> melting pot. I mean, literally. Right. You look at what Hispanics did in the revolution. Hispanics had no idea they were in the revolution. There's so many things we just don't cover. And so that's kind of what we go back back to is, look, here's the story of America. And it's a story, I mean, it's not a perfect people because nobody's perfect. Sure. But it's a nation that did stuff no other nation's ever done. Right. And it did it with a narrative so different from what's out there today. And that's, we just think truth is important. Let me float a theory out there. I'm going to try to get through it with my limited uh, language here. I look at Jennings because Jennings knows when I say these things, you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. Here, I just know David. that later I'm going to write them up and make them prettier. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of putting you on cue, right? Because this could be after the Civil War, the South was decimated. Mm-hmm. And they put so much emphasis in rebuilding the culture of the South that I think a lot of black history was lost mm-hmm. in that period of time. Because they had to rebuild white culture. Because let's face it, white culture was decimated. Mm-hmm. It was gone. And I think a lot of that history that you mentioned, I think it was, I had to use a term, whitewashed, so mm-hmm. to speak, and lost. And so modern African Americans, modern blacks, they don't know their own history. Right. Because it, it was it was taken away. Yeah. They don't know the things that you just mentioned. No. I I, I spoke recently at a black church in Detroit, about 8,000 people. I'm the only white guy in the church. Mm-hmm. And it was Black History Month, and a white guy giving Black History. And it's like, what's? And, and there was a lot of resistance at church when I came. Sure. And then after I got done, they said, "We want you back next year." And the next, and so it's been an right. annual thing because it's guys they've never heard about. But like even the Civil War, you take a guy uh, like like Robert Smalls. Robert Smalls, uh, South Carolina, had been a slave, was freed. He actually stole the gunship of the Confederacy, gave it to Abraham Lincoln. He becomes the first black captain in the U.S. Navy. He serves in 17 battles in the Civil War. After the war, he founds the Republican Party of South Carolina. He goes on, develops a lot of businesses, and he becomes a major general. Now, if you look up Wikipedia today, first black, first black general in the U.S., it's going to be Benjamin Davis in Vietnam, and great guy. 
except this guy's a two-star general back in the 1860s, mm. 1870s, 1880s. He's never, never gets covered. You never hear about him. And so Joseph Hayne Rainey, the first black man to preside over the U.S. House of Representatives from South Carolina, a Blanche Kelso Bruce, first full-term black U.S. senator. He's out of Mississippi. First black guy to have his name printed on U.S. money. He was the, the registrar of the treasurer, mm. both under President Garfield and President McKinley. And he also is the first black man to be nominated for vice president of the United States in 1880. Yeah. Who, who heard that? You know, so there's so many guys back there in history we know nothing about. And that's why if you don't know history, if you hear history like we teach it today, yeah, it looks awful white. Right. But that ain't the way God is, and that's not the way American history is. Exactly right. And the, you mentioned something earlier to me uh, before we started taping about what's happening in Minnesota mm -hmm. and what's happening across the board in history. Mm -hmm. It's beyond revising history. It's deleting history. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go back to even um, in September of 2014, the AP board, which is the board that does the, the SAT test, but they also provide the test for about 47 different AP courses in the country. And AP courses, that's your really smart high school kids that get college credit while they're in high school. Mm -hmm. So the AP test for U.S. history, 162 pages of standards, and in there didn't have founding fathers, didn't have the American Revolution, didn't have anything about any battle in the Civil War, didn't have stuff about Lincoln, he was gone. You get to World War II, there's no Hitler, there's no Holocaust, there's no Nazis. World War II, 40 mm. million lives lost over there. None of that's mentioned. And what they did say was the Americans dropped an atomic bomb in Japan, raising questions about American values. Wow. We're the only ones shown in World War II, and we dropped the atomic No Japanese stuff, no Pearl Harbor, nothing else. So there was such an outcry at the time that they went back and revised about nine months later. They put the word Hitler in, they put the word Holocaust in, but didn't give any content on it, didn't teach anything. So then you roll forward, and it's been going this way for a while. And so I've been appointed in a bunch of states to do the history and standards, history and social studies standards in those states. And I've seen this going. And what happened this year in Minnesota was the House just passed a measure for the next 10 years. If you're in history classes in Minnesota, they removed the American Revolution and the Civil War and World War One and World War Two and the Holocaust all gone. We're not going to teach that in history anymore. I just got back from Louisiana. I testified on two bills in Louisiana at the legislature there. And one of the bills is that we should teach World War II and we should teach the Holocaust. Mm. Why do you have to pass a law to teach what's part of history? Right. And, and the other was we need to start teaching American documents like Constitution Declaration. Why do you have to have that in a law? It's right. because we're not doing it. And that's even in a very red state like Louisiana. It's fascinating. Scary. It's scary. Yeah. And, I mean, and see, it's that thing, again, that if you don't know your history, you can be talked into being a people you never were. Right. And you can be talked into having motives you never had. And, and that's the division that's kind of going. I mean, tearing down statues. I keep a list of all the statues that have been torn down over the last 13, 14, 15 months. And if you look online, like some of these things like Wikipedia, you'll see that they're all Confederate statues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's not accurate. I mean, we're being told this is racism. Then why did you tear down the statue of David Farragut, who was the Confederate guy who went to the Union to fight against slavery? He led the entire Navy in the Union. He's not a Confederate guy, and he's anti-slavery, and you tore a statue down. And why did you tear down the three statues of Abraham Lincoln? And why did you tear down the statue of Frederick Douglass? Mm -hmm. and, and just, you know, I go through all the other statues the media never talks about that get torn down. And it's not about racism. It's about you don't have a clue what history is, and you're tearing down 
everything about America, even the good guy. I mean, the Mass 54th, desecrate the Mass 54th monument, the first black regiment on the Union side. That's the breakthrough unit. We actually own the law that Congress passed that said as a result of what these guys did, black and white soldiers now get paid the same, right. get treated the same. Yeah. And no, nobody hears that. Well, it's a monument to history, so it must mean something, and it must mean something bad. It must bad. mean something bad, because America's because it, always America's been bad. America's always been bad. Yeah, that's it's right. a horrible place. That's Just right. The greatest country that's ever existed, the greatest idea that's ever been foisted on um, the human history and and just got to be something bad yeah it's got to be there's no i mean you know i i took a and i we got to go to a break I, I can remember taking western civilization in college and it was a great class but it was you know what we did is we focused on man's inhumanity to man yeah through so much of it yeah. you see that and, and to take those huge swaths of history away you see you take away not only the scars and the sins but you take away the the heroism that's mm -hmm. there and we're going to get into that stuff some more. I This is, mm, I guess, my blood boiling, Jennings. Blood boiling. Mine too. Hey, people always ask me if I'm ready for the next crisis to hit America. Well, it sounds like we're headed towards one in a lot of ways, culturally, economically, so many different ways. And guess what? People are not prepared. Uh, they're going to suffer. And when they see things happen like hyperinflation, stock market crash, various shortages like we've seen recently, uh, civil unrest. Folks, don't be a victim. Make sure you have enough emergency food, water, and supplies stockpile today. There's only one company I recommend, My Patriot Supply. They're America's leading preparedness company, and they're here to help you become self-reliant. My Patriot Supply has been in business for over a dozen years. They've served millions of families, earning more than 39,000 four- and five-star reviews. Their food is specially packaged. It's going to stay fresh. Yeah, you've heard me say it. 25 years. And right now, you can save 50 bucks on their four-week emergency food kit. The meals are delicious. They even provide 2,000 calories per day. Just go to preparewithchad.com. Save the $50 on a four-week food kit. Don't wait, folks. Something bad. It's going to happen again. You might as well uh, get ready. It's not going to be a warning. Go to preparewithchad.com. Preparewithchad.com. We'll be right back. David Barton. So we talk about you guys being collectors, you and Beck. And pull that microphone over there closer to you there. The, uh, I, uh, I never know what's going to be here when I show up at the studio. <laughs> that's right. Like Ben-Hur boat or... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know? that's I mean, right. it's like, you just never know the stuff that's going to be around here. I, at some point in time, I think they're going to kick up kick open george washington's sarcophagus and his bones are going to be laying out here in in the in the uh, mercury studios or something oh, we like take that. them if anybody wants to sell them we'll, we'll take them <laughs> yeah exactly uh but you bring up you got the funny stuff we were just talking about the prepare with chad.com with the uh, my patriot supply you've got some stuff from the gemini missions yeah that goes back into 62 three, four, five kind of range this is food from back then that's astronaut food this is astronaut food from the 60s you know if if anybody's watching this that's beef stew bites. I, I guess you just hydrate it, add some water. Hydrate it and, and eat it, yep. And these, look at this. Here's, here's four sandwiches. Four sandwiches, little little loaf bread in there. This looks like communion. It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and, and I mean, I, I can only imagine. Uh, they were ahead of their time on this. No, this looks like an IV bag, but that's uh, meat and spaghetti. Jennings, how hungry would you have to be? I'm hungry right now looking at it. I'll eat it now. How far <laughs> off the planet would you have to be and for how long? No, I'd, I'd eat it now. It looks good. Wow, that's insane. I got one more to show you here. 
Canadian bacon and applesauce. Look at that. Yummy. That is fascinating. It is. And what a combination. Who, I'm never, <laughs> Canadian bacon and applesauce? That's not what I've, I would have thought of. I, I, I'm afraid to touch this stuff. I'm afraid it's going to explode on me or something like that, and then we're going to have to eat it. Oh, my goodness gracious. You guys are quite the collectors. Yeah. It's fascinating. You well, guys, that, the fun part is you can tell stories with that. You can. And, and that's what history doesn't do anymore is tell you the story part. And, and you, you look at stuff like that and you say, my gosh, would I eat that? And, and you start imagining what it would be like to be in space. Yeah. But you just read the space mission on the state. You never think about that. And this is the fun stuff. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I came out to one of your places, one of your locations a couple of years ago and, and spent a few minutes out there. Just the stories that came out of mm-hmm. that, that people don't realize, like mm-hmm. like the leaflets that were dropped on right. Hiroshima and Nagasaki before they dropped the bomb, saying, it's coming. Mm-hmm. 70 million leaflets, we told them it was coming. Right. 70 million leaflets. It's amazing. Nobody's ever heard of that. Yeah, it's amazing. People say, oh, well, you, America was so mean. That's right. Just so mean to, to drop the atomic bomb on, on Japan. I, I've, I've often wondered, because I've, I've heard that statistic before. How many people left town as a result of those? Leaflets? You know, it's interesting. One of the things that happens after we finished the war in Europe and shut down the war with Hitler, 40 million lost. We were not capable of fighting a war on two fronts in World War II. When World War II started, we were still using biplanes from World War mm-hmm. I and still had World War I destroyers. Now, here's a fun, fun fact is once we got cranked up, uh, Detroit was turning out a B-24 every 55 minutes off the wow. assembly line. And we were turning out a Liberty ship every four days. Now, wow. in four years, we can't create a stupid Obamacare website under the current administration. <laughs> but nonetheless, we were turning out a ship every four days and a, and, a, and a bomber every 55 minutes. So we finally get geared up. We win Europe, but we can't fight on two fronts. But now that we've won Europe, let's go take care of the Japanese. Japanese should have surrendered. Uh, they have no allies left. They did not win a single battle in the Pacific. So we're island hopping, and we've had Guadalcanal and Iwo Jima. What we found about Japanese we didn't know is they were the ISIS of that day. Mm. And they're going to die before they surrender, and they're right. going to take as many as they can. So when Guadalcanal and Iwo Jima happened, all the Japanese families on the island had a hand grenade. And if the Americans won, they would blow up the family and the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of a mentality is that? And then we find out that the Japanese are into beheading big time. Um, great example is while Hitler killed 7 million Jews in a genocide, the Japanese killed 10 million Chinese in genocides. Right. They went to South Korea, took the women, brought them back as sex slaves for the soldiers. They taught their young people to deliver suicide bombs, 3,400 suicide bombs delivered. Uh, it, it was just a culture we weren't accustomed to. Yeah. And so we find out these guys would rather die then give up. And it's glorious for their ancestors and keep honoring the family if they die. And that military Shintoism was there. And so at that point, when General Curtis LeMay, who ran the Air Force, the Army Air Corps at the time, he said, okay, if we have to do a D-Day invasion, what's it going to cost us? Mm -hmm. And they said, well, it'll kill one million Americans. It'll kill two to four million Allied troops. And you're going to have to kill from five to ten million Japanese before they'll surrender. So we're looking at 15 million. And that's when Truman said, hey, last week we tried this thing out in the desert and blew up. Let's, Let's use that. And so we started with traditional bombing, and I got a little order out of the story. We're doing traditional bombing before we discovered the atomic bomb made it work. So we're dropping out of B-29 bombers, just thousands of bombs, and Japanese won't give up. But we're dropping leaflets. We dropped a leaflet uh, naming the 35 cities we're going to bomb. Mm-hmm. So here's the 35 cities in Japan making military stuff. We're going to blow them up. We want every civilian out of those cities. 
Now, you can imagine an American airman is not happy that you've now told the enemy where you're going to come with your planes. But we told them 35 cities, and guess where all the aircraft, air, air, anti-aircraft guns were? It's those 35 cities. Mm-hmm. But we told the Japanese to get out, leave. We don't want to hurt anyone. We're going to blow up the military. But they still stayed, and there were 100,000 killed in Tokyo alone with the traditional bombing. Uh, we finally dropped the atomic bomb, dropped a second atomic bomb because they still won't surrender. The fact we had to drop two tells you something. Sure. You know, after one, you would have surrendered. After two, when you you don't even have military left to fight back, but you won't give up. Mm-hmm. And so we were ready to drop the third. Uh, after three days, we were dropping on three-day intervals. Japanese were finally willing to talk about about surrendering, and so we didn't drop the third. We held off, and it was five days, and they gave up. But but the whole mentality was was so weird. But here's what people miss: with those atomic bombs, we killed 150,000 Japanese. We killed another 150,000 through radiation. Three 300,000. Military historians point out that there were more than 300,000 Allied prisoners who were beheaded by the Japanese. Japanese officers had beheading contests to see who could behead 100 Allied prisoners mm-hmm. the fastest. And so they would go down beheading, oh, as a tie, let's bring 10 more prisoners out and behead them. I mean, people have no clue. Yeah. The Japanese beheaded more than what we killed with two atomic bombs, and America's the bad guy in this right. conflict? Give me a break. Yeah, and, one, and I'm trying to recall the name of one of Bradley's books. He wrote, of course, Flags of Our Fathers, but then he wrote the second book, the book about Chichi Jima. Mm-hmm. We know about Iwo Jima, but we don't know about Chichi Jima, not only the beheadings, but the cannibalism. That's right. That was going on cannibalism that's right um and and um george hw bush actually crashed his plane Mm -hmm. right there off chichi jim and had the submarine not come along and picked him up the boats were coming out to pick him up Mm -hmm. he would have been a prisoner of war and Everybody that wound up on Chichijima usually wound up beheaded. They don't understand the atrocities that are going no, on. No, they have no clue. Uh, we actually have some war posters from back then, and, and one of them talks about the Japanese that says, this, this is a war, this is atrocities. Mm-hmm. We early discovered that in the war when early on one of our submarines gave up to a Japanese destroyer and whatnot. We had to surface, and the Japanese took every American sailor, laid them down on the deck of the submarine, took a sledgehammer and squashed their head just like melons mm-hmm. went down. And any time an American soldier was wounded, just shot him on the spot. We're not going to mess with wounded yeah. folks. So it, it was not at all. I, I, I've talked to a lot of prisoners of war in World War II who were on the German side, and it was decent treatment if you weren't a Jew. I mean, there was right. like the the Geneva kind of convention stuff rules, not not then, but it had that kind of rules. But on the Japanese side, there was nothing. Yeah. And it was, it was pure brutality. And I'm just old enough at 48 to have been able to spend some time with men that spent time in that Pacific theater, and they've told me stories mm-hmm. over there, and it was just absolutely. Uh, these are the things, and, and I, I say all these things. By the way, I, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, it, and, the, and the little king is not going off in your brain. That harmonic resonance is not mm-hmm. vibrating in you to where you say, I want to know more about the stories of history. Something's wrong with you. You, you, you got a busted bell or something. You got a, your clapper's broke. You got to mm-hmm. get this thing fixed. You got to go to wallbuilders.com. You can not only get everything that David's written, you can get his recommendations. You can follow him and Tim and, and all of the stuff that's there. You can listen to the radio show. There's so many different resources that are out there. I cannot stress to you guys, and we got another segment coming up, and, I, and, and we'll get into the, the meat of what I want to ask you, but I can't stress to people enough how impactful and important this is, that we learn the story of history, mm-hmm. and, and we've lost it. We've never known it. You, you can't lose what you never possessed. Yeah. It was never given to us. Great point. And, and, and that's the thing that 
that breaks my heart, honestly. Because, you know, I, I was thinking about it the other day, uh, where I have all my great thoughts, David, in the shower. You, can anybody name can anybody name their great-great-grandfather? Most people, ask the average person. Most people don't know the net full name of their great-grandfather. And that's recent history in yeah. your life. You don't even, and they're forgotten. They're forgotten. Uh, that's, that's the kind of thing that, that um, it, much less history of, of generations ago mm-hmm. and even millennia ago. Do we have, a, do we have a, a read on this one or can we talk on through it? Uh, we good? Yeah. All right. Oh, we do have one. Tack Pack. The premier monthly subscription box. I was talking to my son yesterday. He goes, I got to get me one of them tack packs. It's like, yeah, you do. Uh, Military tactical prepper, Second Amendment enthusiast. With the new attacks on our Second Amendment, uh, it is now more important than ever to be uh, be able to show your support and to get equipped. For just $49.95 a month, you get at least $100 worth of gear from different companies. Uh, Some of my favorites, like 511, Sons of Liberty, Gunworks. Mission first tactical armor spec, a whole lot more. They're going to send out AR-15 parts and accessories, EDC tools, knives, gear that's going to keep you prepared for when the stuff hits the fan and it's hitting it. Uh, the next pack's perfect jumping in point uh, to see what these boxes are all about. Lots of variety in there. Seven items, including range gear tools, everyday carry, apparel, and a whole lot more. Go to TACPAC.com. That's T-A-C-PAC.com. Sign up. Use promo code C-H-A-D. I spell it Chad at checkout. They'll give you... Extra free bag of goodies. Uh, it's going to be shipped out with your first pack. Go to TACPAC.com. They're flying off the shelves. Use promo code CHAD, and we'll be right back. So anybody that's followed this show for any length of time, listened to it, watched it, whatever, you've heard me make reference to something numerous times. Uh, The source for where I got it was David Barton. And it was on the subject of education, specifically the difference between what we're calling education today in America versus historically what we called education. And you told me a story. It wasn't necessarily a story, but it was just a fact of what it looked like for primary students mm-hmm. at the turn of the 20th century, from yeah. the 19th to the 20th century, what's changed? What was the difference? In the 1920s, progressives had gained dominance in education, and they instituted five fundamental things that we now do today. Uh, we changed the pedagogy of education. Okay. Uh, at the time of the 1920s, you did not go past the eighth grade in school. When you got to eighth grade, you take an X exam, and if you pass it, you get a diploma, and from there you can either get a career or go to college. So eighth grade is it. That's as far as you go. And by the way, eighth grade, usually in states you're in school about three months a year. Mm-hmm. So you're in three months a year. You're going, and I call it grade. They didn't really call it grades. They called it levels. You went through eight levels. And and so one of the fun things we do, summertime, we're starting next week here at studios, uh, we bring in young people, 18 through 25, colleges across the nation, sharp kids, master's work, doctor work, going into college or in college. And we start them out by letting them take the exit exam from the eighth grade st- schools back then. And, uh, you know, we have an 18, uh, a 1922 from um, Colorado, got a 1912 from Kansas, 1907 from Nebraska. And so we just let them take these. We have never had even the Ph.D. kids get more than 50% on any of those eighth-grade tests. Hang on a second now. Here, what I, here, you've heard me say this. 
David's laying, the, he's spitting the facts out on this. Telling me, never had a student, master's level, PhD level, get better than 50% never. on what an eighth grade exit exam was. Eighth grade, and that's three to four months of school a year. And, and so now Biden's telling us we need four more years of school and we need a longer school. When California's going 12 month school, it ain't that, it's what you're doing. And one of the things we did for the first three centuries of American education, we taught students how to think. We now teach them how to learn. Right. And part of the 1920s was, well, we need factory workers. They need to take orders and do what they're told. They don't need to be thinking for themselves. And that's the first time ever in American history is the 1920s when we introduced multiple choice, true, false, and fill in the blank. Because mm-hmm. all that is is, did I, the teacher, tell you A, B, C, or D? Did I, the teacher, tell you this, true or false? It's all about spitting back what you've been told, which now makes us gullible. And that's where we are today is I I read it. I saw it on a meme. I heard it on the news, social media. And and so we just spit back what we've been told, whether whether it's about socialism or whether it's about racial injustice or whatever it is. We just spit back what we don't even think about it anymore. And and it's just it's it's fascinating. So what else they did back then was they went from three months a year to nine months a year. They went from eight grades to 12 grades, and they went to age graded. Now we say, hey, if you're six, you got to be in first grade. If you're 12, you're in sixth grade. Back then they said, whatever your knowledge is. I mean, we want the kids with the same knowledge together. So you might have six-year-olds and 14-year-olds in the same room, but then you might go through two or three levels in a year, however fast your knowledge is. And we know that grade doesn't, age doesn't mean anything. we got 14-year-olds more mature than 45-year-olds sure. in some cases. you we know. Did. So, And that's what they recognized. So they had you in by your knowledge, not by your age. And now we've got kids that are really sharp and kids that are not so sharp that are the same age. And all we can do is teach them the middle. We can teach mediocrity. We mm-hmm. can't challenge either one of them. It's just really pathetic what we've done. I'm pretty outspoken being anti, say, you know, star test here in Texas because I think you're teaching for the test. You're mm-hmm. just teaching to regurgitate something, and it's so much rides on it. And there's so much stress on these students that are, i got to pass this or I don't get promoted, and people have come out and accused me of being anti-standardized test. I, it's not the standardization aspect of it. Um, there's standardized tests that have value. The citizenship test, mm-hmm. for instance. I think you should have to pass the citizenship to graduate high school in Texas. Um it doesn't mean you're not a citizen if you don't, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you should have to pass Well, some of the states that started doing that for the high school, because mm-hmm. 100 questions citizenship test, and states started doing that, and they found that only 7%, and this is interesting, because the citizenship test is for if you've never been to America, you weren't raised here, you want to live here, you came from a different yeah. country, you can do that in three months. You, you can get that down in three months. Yeah. And the average citizenship group, 92% of new citizens pass that test. Mm-hmm. They tried it in a state, and only 7% of the high school seniors were able to pass the citizenship test. So people who have been here three months know more about the country than kids who have been here their whole life, 17, 18 years. So seven states now have that as the exit exam for high school is just the citizenship test, which they recently revised, added more questions to. I encourage people all the time, ask the person on the street, ask a person you're having lunch with to name the three branches of government. There are people listening to the show right now. You, you, on it. Be honest with yourself. You don't know what the three branches of government are. Sixty-two percent of the nation does not know what the three right. branches are. So two out of three have no clue. Only one out of a thousand can name the five rights in the First Amendment. I mean, mm. it's just you go through the numbers, and it's not, it's not pretty. It's not good. It's not. Pretty. These things matter. You know, we we talk about uh, the American dream. We don't know. We it's it's becoming the American nightmare. We don't mm-hmm. know what that means anymore. We, we're changing. We're asking. And here's the thing. I play devil's advocate in some ways on this. 
we're asking people to come into the country and we talk about, well, they're not willing to assimilate. They're not willing to assimilate. You were born here and you don't even know what your values <laughs> That's right. are. That's right. And, and you're talking about people assimilating. You, you've never embraced the values of America. Mm -hmm. <sighs> These are the things, David. These are the things. Don't be logical. You, you screw everybody up. I know. I know. Don't, don't use common sense. <laughs> I tell you, I, I, I get convicted. I do. I get convicted for my own laziness mm -hmm. because I know that, you know, my my default setting is apathy, and you hit that button and you just coast on through. And but the average person listening to you and hearing what you say putting names and and lives behind the facts that are there these are real people that shaped history they deserve our respect mm -hmm. they deserve the honor uh to to remember them and to embrace their legacy i took some people to my father's hometown last weekend camden south carolina major revolutionary uh, war uh town there and i took them to some of the sites and showed them some of the some of the things that are there some of the monuments that are there and they were like I can't believe these monuments are still here. They haven't torn them down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. But that's the world we're living in. Like, I, you know, because history's dead to us. But but it's not people. And a great example is civil war in, in, in just northern Georgia, southern, uh, southern, below the southern border of Tennessee, the Battle of Chickamauga. Mm -hmm. And there's a report that in that battle that uh, a guy named John Clem, his nickname was Little John, because of bravery on the battlefield as a Union soldier in that battle, that uh, General Rosecrans promoted him to sergeant on the battlefield, and then General Thomas came by and said, no, I need you on my staff, promoted him to, to, to lieutenant. So he becomes lieutenant as a result of that battle. He's 12 years old. Wow. Now, see, today we say, that's impossible. No, not when you consider that eighth grade was the top of what you did, and we expected a lot more. We had a lot more. We didn't tell these kids, you're too young to do that. I mean, yeah. kids only too young for what i mean as long as they learn and, and do it you know i yeah. started training kids with guns on age of three and four and they got gun safety down by the time they're four and five and they're right. using bigger guns by the time they're five and six that's how you train them wallbuilders.com i'm telling you folks you need to use every resource that's available uh through david and tim and uh golly we're not done we're going to wrap this thing up y'all hang tight The book, the brand new one, Amer The American Story, The Beginnings. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. David, thanks for coming on the show. Happy to do, Chad. Thanks, yeah, man. This, uh, I'm telling you, we're going to start having good news segments on here with David Barton. I, this, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm fired up. I'm always encouraged. I, I listen to you. I read you. I watch you. And, and every time I come away just with a renewed vigor for, for history and for America. And these are the things that, that really should be mattering to us. Mm -hmm. And Makes me want to go beat my kids, honestly. Just smack them around a little bit. Train them in the way they should go. <laughs> Do they, that on some teachers, too. That way. <laughs> exactly. The problem is my kids are big enough now they can beat me back. Um, I've learned, though, i got five kids. You don't have to beat them all with a big family. You just cut one out of the herd. Right. You beat that one while the others watch. You know, and that's the whole thing. Conservative comedian Chad Prather advocates for child abuse if they need it. If they need it. Uh, but seriously, get the book. Go to wallbuilders.com. Follow everything that David Barton is doing. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you to visit watchchad.com. as for all the fun stuff is. And come see us tomorrow night, Birmingham, Alabama, 
Pelham, to be exact. You can get tickets and information at watchchad.com. Should be a full house, a lot of fun. Uh, but we're loaded up, headed your way. Uh, don't miss out. Be sure to rate and review us. We deserve a five-star rating. We really do, and a good review. It makes us easier to find in the podcast rankings. And don't forget, sign up, blazetv.com slash chad. Use promo code chad. Give you a free month. We love y'all. God bless you. And we will talk to you next week. Have a great weekend. Bye.